0: I share with you tonight, if you have a Bible with you, I would like you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, and we will look at chapter 15 and verses 16 through 32. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 15 and verses 16 through 32. I would like you to remember two things as I read through this passage of Scripture. Number one, the Gospel of Mark was written primarily to a Roman audience. There are things that Mark says in the way that he says them because he realizes that his primary, not his only audience, but his primary audience is the Romans. I preached through the Gospel of Mark back in 2013, and you see and you understand the Gospel better when you understand that. Secondly, as I read through this, I want you to think all of this. Everything I read happened on Friday. This all happened on Friday, on the first of what we would call Good Friday. And it says, and the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him Hail, King of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put on and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Well, our first point tonight is the main event. On Good Friday... We come to the main event, the reason for which Jesus came into this world. Everything, everything in his life points to the cross. The Messiah, which he adamantly claimed to be, came to be. He came into this world to be the Lamb of God who would take upon himself the sins of Of the world. I know it has been said many times. I know you have heard it many times, but it bears repeating, especially on Good Friday. Jesus was born to die. He came in this world for the purpose of dying as the Lamb of God. The crucifixion of Christ is the most important event in human history. The eternal destiny of every human being hinges on his or her belief or disbelief in Jesus' death and resurrection. On this day, on this day, Jesus fulfilled in minute detail Old Testament prophecy and provided the hope and foundation of all New Testament teaching. All of history, all of history either looks forward to the cross or looks back to the cross. Well, our second point is Abandoned to the Cross. That was the title of the song which our choir sang. It's the title of my message tonight. I asked Pastor Mike, it was okay if I just used that? Because that's what this is about. Jesus was abandoned. In essence, everyone left. Everyone abandoned him. And he was abandoned to the cross our sakes because of our sins after the severity of his scourging and prior to his crucifixion Christ is treated like an animal by the sadistic cruelty of the Roman soldiers now remember when we come to verse 16 in Mark 15 he had already been scourged he had already been scourged severely And it says in verses 16 through 18, And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. This particular battalion was considered an elite group of Roman soldiers who were there to serve the Roman governor over this region that was comprised of the Jewish people. And they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him, and they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. And they were mocking him. So here is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of all things, and these Roman soldiers, cruel, sadistic, brutal, violent Roman soldiers were mocking him. And in essence, they were also mocking the Jews. As you may know, if you're familiar with the New Testament, you know that the Romans had very little use for the Jews. They, for the most part, had a peaceful arrangement with them, but they ruled over them, and the Jews often resented the Romans. So in essence, they were mocking Jesus, and they were mocking the Romans hail king of the Jews. And in verses 19 and 20 it says, and they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage in fake, phony homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him and they led him away, or excuse me, they led him out to crucify him. It's just, Let us pause for a minute. That's why we're here on a Good Friday. They treat Jesus like an animal. They mock him. They belittle him. Put a crown of thorns on him. They treat him as if he's nothing. It's all for us. All for you. All for me. And keep in mind this, Jesus was physically and emotionally exhausted as he made his way to the cross. I want you to think of what happened before this. I just recently got through preaching through the entire Gospel of John. It took me a year and a half, almost two years to do that. And the Gospel of John is unique in that the last third, the entire last third of the Gospel of John is devoted to just this last week. Unlike the other three Gospels, a whole third of the book, just this last week, there was the, prep- the preparation of his disciples, the upper room discourse, his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, the betrayal of one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, the trial before the Sanhedrin, the trials before Pilate and Herod, and the severe beating at the hands of the Roman all bring us to this particular passage. And in verse 21, it says, and they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. So severely beaten, so emotionally and physically exhausted that they had to enlist someone to carry the cross for him. Now, here's where it's important to know that this is written primarily to Roman readers. The fact that he names Simon of Cyrene and Alexander and Rufus is actually significant. In Romans chapter 16 and verse 13, it names a man named Rufus. It is believed, though we don't know 100% for sure, that this may have been the same Rufus who is mentioned here so that Alexander and Rufus were most likely known to the Roman church. And so as he writes to the Romans, they probably knew Alexander and Rufus. They were brothers in the faith. And he says they compelled a passerby. He could have just left it there. But Mark doesn't. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says it was Simon of Cyrene, Do you know who this man is? He was coming in from the country. This is Alexander and Rufus's father. That's the man who they enlist to carry the cross. Well, our third point tonight is the crucifixion. With remarkable brevity, Mark says in verse 24, and they crucify. You are familiar with all of the horrors of a Roman crucifixion. And yet Mark simply says, and they crucified him. It's been compared to Genesis chapter 116, where it says of God that he also made the stars. So God creates billions of stars in amazing uniqueness throughout the galaxy. just said, and he made the stars. Well, the cruelties of a Roman crucifixion have been well documented. We're not going to get into that tonight. But it is good to be reminded that the crucifixion, a Roman crucifixion, was usually reserved for slaves and the worst of criminals. And it was crucified at a place called Golgotha. Notice verse 22, and they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. The Romans wouldn't have known about that place. So he specifically names the place, the location for his Roman readers, so they know where this Jesus of Nazareth was crucified. And then in verse 23, it says, and they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Why didn't he take it? Most believe and I believe that the reason he didn't take it is because he didn't want any kind of narcotic and he wanted to be completely clear-minded when he spoke from the cross. He would instruct the Apostle John to take care of his mother. He would say, it is finished. He would say, do not hold it against those who have crucified me. So he would speak from the cross, and I believe that he wanted to be completely clear-minded as he spoke those words. So he rejects, he rejects the wine that they offered him, that they would offer to a convicted criminal, to someone who was crucified. In verse 24, it says, and they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And again, it's almost as if each of these verses is a sermon in itself. What a picture. Jesus is paying the entire penalty for our sins while the Roman soldiers, in their incredible immaturity, are down there gambling for his clothes. So we have these two scenes simultaneously. He is carrying out the greatest event in human history and they're down gambling for his clothes. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. It was nine o'clock. Much of this takes place between nine o'clock and noon, the sixth hour. And then it's Matthew who tells us in his gospel, from the sixth hour into the ninth hour, darkness came upon the whole land. And we believe that's at the time when Jesus was truly bearing, being punished for, The sins of the world, they've been called the three greatest hours in all of history. Well, in verse 26, it says, And the inscription of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews. And he keeps it very simple for his Roman readers. But in the other Gospels, we find that they wrote this inscription also in Greek and Aramaic, and Latin, we also find that the Jewish leaders complained to Pilate and, say, and said, don't say he's the king of the Jews. Say that he claimed to be the king of the Jews. To which Pilate gave his famous response. What I've written, I've written. And it says that Jesus was crucified along with two criminals. One on his right and the other on his left. And this was completely unjust because Jesus was not a criminal. But here is the Son of God, here is the Son of Man being crucified between two criminals as if he too was a criminal. But however, at the same time, it was completely appropriate for Jesus had come. He had come to seek and to save the lost, even as Dan read from Isaiah chapter 53, he was numbered among the transgressors. It was the fulfillment of prophecy. And in verse 29, it says, And those who passed by derided him. At Passover, which I mentioned last week on Palm Sunday, Passover, there were potentially hundreds, if not thousands, of Jewish pilgrims who had come to Jerusalem. So there were a lot of people there. And many of them were mocking him and deriding him. And there would have been many who passed by the crucifixion area. And the rulers would called for his death. Now mock him. Now mock him. Even as he hangs there in agony and pain. And it's so interesting, the two robbers join in the mockery. It says that. Look at verses 31 and 32. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. And then it says those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Which in and of itself is fascinating because one of those robbers One of those robbers, mocking him in the process of the cross, will have a complete change of heart. And he will say, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus said, Today you will be with me in paradise. So this amazing, supernatural transformation takes place in the life of one of the robbers. But as we end tonight, it's the way in which Christ died that continues to astound us and overwhelm us. How darkened is man's mind to conceive of such a death? How depraved is man's heart? that they could put to death their creator, the one who loved them more than anyone in all of existence. And yet, at the same time, how dependable is God's word? Jesus was crucified in exact detail according to Old Testament prophecy. How durable is Christ's resolve? Nothing. Nothing could take him down from the cross. This is why he came. And as I know you know, but we must say again on Good Friday, we must continue to remember that Christ's physical suffering was only a small part of his overall suffering. Remember that on the cross, especially in those three hours of darkness, he endured the torture of hell for each and every one of us. Just think about that. He endured your judgment in hell for. You. The full weight, the full weight of the judgment of God was unleashed upon him. These great thoughts from Scripture are to cause us to be deep, sober minded in reflection, and yet, and yet, looking so forward to Sunday looking so forward to the resurrection. So let us take in the monumental events of the cross, knowing that in this, in all of this, he was conquering our sin and our death. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the substitutionary atonement, that Jesus Christ became our substitute on the cross. He took our place on the cross and fully paid for our sins and conquered sin and death for us. We thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.